smartac.com, smartac.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. Smartac.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. When you're still growing at crazy rates, you're still maintaining this you know, really great profit margin. You're still doing all these things. It's easy to be like, well, everything's operating properly. But then when things start to slow like they are now, it's kind of one of these oh shit moments. Yep. We need to get this dialed in. This is To The Point. A rhino experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Hey, what's up to the point listeners? It's your boy, Cristiano, the host of To The Point Home Services Podcast. It is December. Do you remember? You remember that song, Claire? <laughs> Claire, Jesus Christ. Do I'll you, take it. <laughs> do, you, do you remember this song, Amanda? Wait. I do. I think I'm older than you. I think I'm older than you. I'm 44. Maybe, maybe not. But anyhow, that's a like, great song no matter what age you are. You know if they played this song at a wedding because they always do? Like people are dancing to it. Something, something, December. <laughs> okay. That's where I'm at right now, listeners. I apologize. I've already called my guest the wrong name by the guest I interviewed yesterday, which is Claire. So sorry about that, Amanda. And I don't remember the name of the damn song, but it's something to do with December. And I guarantee you, even the listeners heard just that little part and say, yep, I know that song. Uh, point is, it's December. It's the end of the year. A very odd year, a very challenging year for a lot of you, which I've said multiple times too. And uh, it is the beginning of December. Guess what? Year's not over. So you still got a few weeks ahead of you to still kind of get it wrapped up, you know, in a pretty little bow and, and make something great happen. Or for some of you that are, are having a great year, because there are definitely a lot of people who are still having a really great year. Good for you. Let's go ahead and close out this year strong. But my hope is you've planned for 2024 already, or you have some idea of what you need to be doing for 2024 already, because you only got a few weeks. And there's this little thing called Christmas coming up that might throw a wrench in your plans for as far as like having time to do things. So um, get it done, all right? Just start to take some action. So you've been listening, if you're listening to the podcast now, you're clearly, clearly trying to do something. But I'm excited to bring my guests on here too, because we literally just met like a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and randomly, you know, I heard somebody talking uh, about her behind your back, Amanda, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, but it was really good stuff, and they were kind of bragging on the business and, and uh, just about what you've been able to accomplish. And um, and I thought, who is this? And and it turns out that Amanda, who is our guest, is in the exact same state as me. She's here in Arizona, except she's up in the party town, Lake Havasu City. So um, the that is the party town, by the way. I actually have never been out on that lake. I've only ever heard all the crazy stories about being on Lake Havasu. It can be a little nutty up there, but we're in the same place. And I hadn't heard of your business and I feel like I know everybody. And it's not like it's a small business. She's done a lot of really great things. But our guest today is Amanda Zink and she's a president at Air Control Home Services. Also serves on the next star board. So what a little, are you a little over a year on the board now? Something a little over now? a year. Yep. Got it. But one thing I whenever I was doing my research before the podcast is trying to learn a little bit more about you 
uh, in the business was that you won on the HVACR, the new top women in HVAC in 2023, right? I did. Yes. Congrats. Thank you. Congratulations. That's a big deal. Um, it's a nice little feather in the cap that says, you know, yeah. something notable about you. So congratulations on that. Now, what's interesting is um, I always try to dig into people's backgrounds, like before you were like a professional to see if I can find, <laughs> you know, high school stuff and, and things like that. And, you know, just trying to like dig into a little bit of who you like, where you come from. Um, and I, you know, I, I didn't go too deep into this one too, but I did, I do think it's interesting that um, you got your bachelor's in accountancy. Is that right? That is correct. So, I did. So yeah. you wanted to be a an accountant or you wanted to, oh, you're going to go into the insurance business. That's what you're going to do. That sounds really <laughs> exciting. Uh, actually, I started going to school at NAU to go into computer information systems. I had no intention of doing accounting, but as part of my degree, you have to take basic accounting classes. And the professor approached me and said, hey, you're really good at this. Have you considered it? Um, so I switched my degree and went for accounting. Wow. My my oldest daughter went to NAU. She just graduated from there with a good degree in mathematics. Okay. That didn't come from me, by the way. Like, <laughs> I am the guy, you know, when the teacher said, we can do carry a calculator around in your pocket? And I'm like, I was right. I am carrying a calculator <laughs> around in my pocket. So the answer is yes, I didn't need all that bullshit anyway. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, in marketing, in marketing, you don't really need all that stuff. I mean, you got to pay attention to numbers, but I don't need to know, you know, trigonometry. So. Yeah. Um, anyhow, so here you ended up in the trades and I, and I want our listeners to, you know, to start to learn a little bit more about you and, and now you, your family, you are three generations in the trades. Your parents owned the business prior and then, um, which I, which they started in 1990. And by the way, if you lived in the nineties, congratulations, what a great time. Nineties hip hop came out, which is still a favorite of mine, but the nineties were a great time. You might think the clothes suck, but guess what? Take a look at the, some of the kids, what the kids are wearing now, and you tell me, like, the trends are coming back around, okay? Yep. Uh, if you wore a pair of Birkenstocks and socks, I was right there along with you. If you wore guest jeans, I was right there along with you. If we could afford a pair of guest jeans. But guess what? If you're a boy, you don't wear the red label. You wear the green label, so don't mess that one up. But 90s were great. Your parents started the company in the 90s, and then you and your brother – went to work for your parents. He was in 04, you were in 05. And, and we'll get into a little bit of your history. But then you bought the company from them in 2019. Yes. So yep. so what I want you to do is, I mean, this is obviously right before, you bought the business right before COVID hits. So uh, quite, the, quite the challenge right out of the gate, um, but also a, a massive blessing. Uh, mm-hmm. But the, uh, go ahead and let the listeners know a little bit, Amanda, just what size is air control today, and then we'll back into kind of the your journey through that so, so that way they understand what you've done to get to that point. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So for this year, we budgeted for $20 million. Um, we are going to fall short uh, of that by a couple million. Um, I don't think I really need to go into the reasons of why. We're yeah, it's all crazy deep. hard year. Yeah. It's been a tough year and it just, we, we are up, but it is not the growth that we had anticipated. So from a revenue standpoint, um, that's roughly where we're at. From a people standpoint, we're about 57 people. Uh, I do always like to call out, call it my ego or what you will, but we serve a population of about 150,000 people. So I'm always big on saying that because we don't serve a huge population. 
Um, and I'm really proud of the size company that we've been able to grow in a smaller, smaller population. Well, you just stole my thunder because I was going to brag <laughs> on you and say, hey, and tell them what market that you're in. So if you don't know what like Havasu City is, yes, yeah, not a, it's not a huge market. So to be a company of that size of just just sub 20 million in a market like that is fantastic. So thank you. So um, go ahead and just, you know, like I said, let the listeners know you, when you and your brother came into the business, let's start there. Right. So that way, yeah. that way everyone can understand what you've actually done in the business before you were able to buy it from your parents and then take it and lead it. Sure. So when we took it over from my parents, I think we were roughly around 5 million. That was in 2019. And then as you said, COVID hit and <laughs> I remember talking with my brother and being like, what in the heck did we do? We just bought this business. Like we had been in the business. So the the operation of it was not new to us, but all these things were being thrown at us. And uh, it was a very interesting, very interesting time. Um, Yeah. We were giving my dad all kinds of crap. Like, what did you sell us? And now looking back on it, he's like, you got a good deal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you did. Well, you bought it 5 million. Look where you're taking it to. Yeah. So, 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 um, real quick, let's go back to, um, let's go back to Oh four, Oh five. Well, you were in an Oh five, right? Somewhere around there. Oh five. Yeah. I joined in, uh, 2005. So this was before another pivotal, uh, time in the trades business, the Oh eight, Oh nine market. But so what were you doing when you first came into the business? Like what was your role? <laughs> so this is an interesting story because I had absolutely no intention of ever being in the trades. Um, I had watched my parents grow and develop the company when they moved to Havasu in 1990 and started the company. I had no intention of ever, um, throughout that I had seen my parents, the struggles, the blood, sweat and tears that had gone into growing this company. And so when I graduated high school, my intention was never to come work for my parents. I wanted nothing to do with the company at all. I went to college, got my degree in accounting, and on the day of my graduation, my parents came up to visit me, and I had been an idiot. I had racked up some credit card debt in college. My, I had a job lined up in Phoenix um, to do insurance auditing, but my dad approached me on the day of my graduation, and he said, hey, why don't you come why don't you come work for me? You can live with us, pay off your credit card debt, and then, um, you know, really start fresh. Reluctantly, I agreed, even though, you know, getting credit card debt paid off was really the kicker for me. But I reluctantly agreed because it was not something that I wanted to be a part of. I made my dad promise me that he would not keep me for longer than that summer. Like, I will not stay. Uh, That was 18 years ago. (laughs) Here I am. I will. Um, I will not stay. (laughs) You're still not staying. Yeah. You can't keep me. (laughs) Uh, But what I started as originally, because my plan was never to stay, is I was really kind of a special projects person. Um, My mom at the time was doing payroll and I was instrumental in getting us switched over to paychecks and just a series of different random projects that my dad needed done that he needed somebody he could trust would, would get them accomplished. So, so that's how it started. Like you were the ghost. That's how it started. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. well, you clearly stayed. So I did. how, I mean, how long were you doing the special, like the special projects? It was, I would say for a couple, probably a couple of years, I think. Um, 
I initially was not very invested in the company because it was never my long-term goal. When I was in college, I always had this goal that I wanted to be CEO of some big company. And I just never saw, I never saw the potential of the company. I was ignorant to it. So I did special projects for a couple of years. Um, Then I moved into the install coordinator role. And then I ended up being our service manager for a bit, which was a terrifying role. That was something that I never wanted to do. I was terrified of it. Um, But really stepping into that role and stepping outside my comfort zone and growing was a pivotal moment, I think, in my development as a leader here in the company. Yeah. So I love that, by the way, because, you know, you've probably heard this before, but sometimes you have to get uncomfortable, right? To, to, to get better, to advance to your skill. And sometimes just being thrown into the mix without really knowing what to do is the answer. Like a lot of times you aren't ready, like, or you never think you're ready until you get, you get in it, you know, and you have to learn the things and do it on the fly. And doesn't mean you're going to get it done perfectly, but you will start to develop that skill um, and, and learn, you know, along the way. Yeah. So, so in a lot of ways, as scary as that is, sometimes that's the best thing throw them in the deep end. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big believer of that. It's something that I preach to my leadership team is stepping outside your comfort zone and the growth that happens during that, that period. Got it. So, so what all does, um, what all does air control do? Like what services do y'all offer? Originally, we were HVAC. We added plumbing about seven to eight years ago. And then earlier this year, we added electrical. Got it. So HVAC is your primary. Um, yeah. And then you subbed with plumbing, which is mm-hmm. the typical, like, you know, which is a typical journey, I think, for a lot of the uh, multi-trade businesses, HVAC plumbing to electrical. Um, when you guys went through 0809, that whole area. Were you doing new construction at the time or were you have you always been at on replacement and service model? No, we were new construction. We were largely a new construction company. We employed about 40 to 50 people at that time. We were nowhere near the revenue that we're doing currently, uh, nowhere near the profit margins, anything of that sort. And so when the recession hit, it darn near wiped us out. We got down to nine people, four of them being family members, my mom, my dad, myself, and my brother. And I remember my dad and my brother, they were in sales at that time, really kind of by necessity. That wasn't really, my dad had done sales before, but that wasn't my brother's role. And so by necessity, they had stepped into sales. And I remember them saying, we have to go sell this job to, to meet payroll. Um, we have to, we have to sell this job. So it was a really interesting time through grit and vision of my dad. We completely revamped the company and changed it to a service and replacement business and would not go back to new construction. This is like a very common story. You know, this like Mm -hmm. in, in that moment, people pivoted, a lot of companies pivoted away from the RNC model. Um, and rightfully so, because it's, a great business. The margins are better. It was, you know, yeah. and especially if you need cash flow, like you pay a little bit, pay a little bit faster. There's a lot of, there's a lot of benefits to it, a lot of perks to it. Uh, but a lot of con- contractors pivoted in that time. But you also learn a little about, a little bit about yourself in that moment too. Um, yeah. I launched our business Rhino in 2008. Um, different because when you had to pivot and try new things, that's the 
perfect time to do it because it's either you try something new or or the business dies because the new construction business was atrocious, right? And that's yeah. why a lot of companies struggled. So for us, it was a blessing because we were the new thing that people tried. What's this, did internet marketing stuff, because it was still super scary and still early on and people pivoted and went that way and that kind of sent us down this path. But it was a, a blessing because there was plenty of add-on replacement and service demand business sitting out there that we were able to go get with minimal competition. Today, it's much different, right? Like it is an incredibly competitive market. Now, yeah. most competitive I've ever seen it was this year. Um, yeah. On overall spend, it's been an absolute battle and I manage you know, 700 contractors. So um, so I see a lot. Um, but but I, I there's some there's some consistent things I see across some of the more successful contractors and that is some of, you know, most of them have calloused hands, right? They have a little bit of grit built into them. Have you been through some hard times and then figured out a way to get through it? You're resourceful. You worked your way through yeah. it. But the unfortunate part is there's still a lot of companies that, that give up. And even people listening right now are probably feeling super defeated about how this year's been. Um, but you can change it. Like you can do something different. You have a lot of help that you can do it. Sometimes it's just like, hey, number one, believe in yourself. Oh, yeah. Like, you already went down this path. You already started down the path. Um you are capable of doing it. You just might not have the answers. You have to go ask somebody for it. So let your pride okay. go, let your ego go and go ask for it. So, so you went through this, right? And, and mm -hmm. you, so you've kind of got some calloused hands. You've been through the business. Um, then you buy the, you buy the business right before COVID hits in a way like you're kind of prepared for it. Just, I mean, for the actual market, not necessarily for the situation. None of us were prepared yeah. for that situation because none of us went through the whole bird flu and the whole, like that whole deal <laughs> early, early on what was the other one, the plague. Uh, <laughs> but you know, in, in some ways, at least you kind of had some of these calluses to know like, okay, I got to get gritty again in this deal. Um, it ended up turning into being a beautiful time for the trades, you know, um, over the last few years, but you got to see what it looked like beforehand too. So you learned a few things. You grew the business. Clearly, you bought it at five million. It's not five million anymore. It's sub twenty million. I mean, and you're in a small market, and you have fifty, you know, nearly sixty, you know, employees, which arguably is tougher than uh, growing a business. Is man make sure you're managing everybody and taking care of everyone and, and leading them and you know giving them all the things that they need to support your customer base, right? To to really yeah. care. Um, now, what does your brother do in the business? To, like, what are your, what's your two different roles? Like, what is, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? Like, what's your day-to-day -day today look like? So I operate as general manager. Generally, I'm overseeing the entire company and, and uh, the leadership team. My brother, my brother has been highly involved in the company for the last number of years. He ran our install department for a, a large period of time. He, him and his wife just had twins, identical twin girls. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he is still very involved in the company. He typically, well, he does oversee our sales team. And then we don't do much new construction. We do a pretty small amount of new construction, just really high end homes. We keep it to it. a very limited amount. And he does oversee that as well. Got it. Okay. Like custom home type stuff. Yeah. Gotcha. That makes sense. Twins? Good grief. Yeah. Twin, uh, identical twin girls. <laughs> identical twin girls. We actually have identical, we have uh, one of my employees been with me for about six years now, Elliot. Some of y'all who are listening know who Elliot is. Um, looks like Jason Momoa. Like the guy got all the right character. Like he got everything good in his genes from his family. He's like, um, the, he's an identical twin. Him and his brother were on the amazing race. 
Um, oh, I was busted chops because they finished like next to last. Uh, they they <laughs> lost to the Bella Twins. If you guys know who the Bella Twins are from wrestling, but um, yeah, it's difficult. Like having twins. Like I have four kids, but you know, if you get twins, like that's a whole nother level of like craziness that I'm so grateful I wasn't a part of. I have four Talking kids. Talking about grit and determination, you right? <laughs> and kid and, and mental fortitude. Mental yeah. fortitude is a big deal. All my kids are spread out. I've got 23, I have 23, 17, 12, 9. Because it took me that long to want to do it again, to make sure there was oh, somewhat of some yeah. self-sustaining. Um, yes, that will build some grit and determination. <laughs> so um, now, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot for just a second. Yeah. Um, I mentioned right in the beginning in the introduction that you're on the Next Star board. So clearly you're a part of Next Star. You bought into the Next Star model mm-hmm. and you believe in that. And, you, and it's... Um, obviously helped you in some way, shape, or form, not just by what they had to offer, but also the relationships that you forged, like yeah. you know, like Claire, who was on the podcast last week. Um, why did you join the board? Like, why was that important to you? Because, listen, I served on, I've served on many, I've served on many boards. I'm still on boards. Um, and in a lot of ways, it's a very thankless uh, position when you get on there. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, there, there's you have to make some really big decisions that people will or won't like on this based on your experience. Part of having a good board is having board diversification. Why did you join the Next Star board? Like, why was that important to you to to say, you know what, this year's, you know, this year's been fun too. Let me just go ahead and see if I can't, you know, keep chipping away because you technically joined before, or I guess it would have been in in twenty twenty two. Yes. So yeah. so. I'm not sure how long the next our board terms are, but why did you even join it in the first place? Like, what was your reason? You had to have a reason to say, you know, what, I'm going to go on the board so I can do X, Y, Z. What was that? So we joined Nextar, um, I think it was 2020. So I'm actually a pretty new Nextar member as well. But as part of being a Nextar member, you at, uh, attend Operational Excellence. That's part of the onboarding of being a Nextar member. And when I was there, it must have fallen when there was a board meeting because the entire Nextar board was there at Operational Excellence. And listening to what Nextar was delivering, what they were offering us as a company, we grew a ton. As you said, we went from 5 million to sub 20. Do I think we would have grown during that period of time, regardless of whether we had Nexstar or not? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Do I think that Nexstar made it easier and we were able to grow faster? Yes. So when I look at Nexstar, it's been such a pivotal, pivotal thing for our company. And then attending operational excellence and having so many board members there and listening to them speak two members of their story and what that looked like. I wanted to be somebody that could deliver that to people that were coming up in the trades or to new members as far as what that looked like. But so I sat then at operational excellence, I said that I wanted to be a next star board member. I put that in my vision. I anticipated that being five to seven years down the road after I had joined Nextstar, but unbeknownst to me, Last year, my Nextstar business coach nominated me for an open board position, and away we went. <laughs> ah, got it. Okay. Hey, hey, speaking of your vision, I read one other thing that we're also making come true today, and that was that you had a uh, on your vision to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. This is your first solo podcast. Like, this is it. 
Yes, it is my first solo po- podcast. And I think it's important. And I haven't told you this. And I didn't put that in the the women in HVACR. But my goal was to be on this one. Really? <laughs> Yeah. No shit. For real? That's fantastic. For real. Well, congratulations. Yeah. We made it happen. How freaking cool is that? I love it. Uh, and I get to tell your story. That's super cool. Um, well, we, good. And uh, I didn't know that. That's fantastic. So I made, like you totally just made my day. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I want to ask you something because you mentioned, you know, um, you know, I know a lot of folks on the board member of Nextstar. I know a lot of Nextstar members. I know a lot of non, non-Nextstar members that are in other organizations who have had equally as, has, have had equally as much success. And I love that you said that you you experienced that growth and and, and it would have happened regardless because it, yeah it's it, would the organization sort of help you figure out well how do you how do you go about the growth like as efficient as possible with the right people you know in place or to learn the things to um you know to get better at leadership because as you grow you gotta have you know more delegation you gotta have good mm-hmm. leadership um so yeah the last few years helped a lot of businesses grow that's not this year so so you have to go back and look at like 1819 and look at what, what did the business look like ahead of time and start to compare yourself to that. Um, but you don't have the luxury of, you're not, I mean, you should, I should say you have the blessing that you're not the same size. You're much larger. You hopefully yeah. you're much larger. Um, now what are you doing? So, so one thing I think is incredibly important um, that you made me think about was having a, a good group of like a good peer group. Um, is really important to be a part of. Like, I have you know, really good friends of mine that I'm in a text message group with, and I'll name drop them right now because these guys are my buddies, and we share everything, both personally and professionally, the good and the bad. And in that group, I've got my uh, – these are guys are all my buddies. Tommy Mello, uh, Ishmael Valdez, Chad Peterman, Chris Hoffman, Aaron Gaynor, Tom Howard, and Travis Ringy. So um, we – in that group is a lot of – powerhouses, a lot of really successful businesses. And I'm telling you, everybody is feeling the struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, but these guys I rely on, like when we have questions, I ask them when they have questions, they ask us. So having a good peer group that would like give you the real shit, like not, not smoke and mirrors, not like fluff you, not just be a yes or like agree with you that will challenge you is so incredibly important to have. Do you have one, Amanda? Yes. So I have through Nexstar, they have the personal, um, personal boards and I do have a women's group. We actually were the first all female Peabody for Nexstar. So I, I have that and I rely on them tremendously, but through the Nexstar board, I was able to connect with Claire, who I know you, you are having on your podcast or had on your podcast. Um, she has just been a light for me, especially through this year. This has been one of the more challenging years for me, not just because we haven't grown as much as we anticipated, but just as a, from a leadership aspect and questioning if I'm the right person to be running this company. I had had some missteps earlier in the year that I just felt were dumb on my part and having that person to be able to rely on and, and talk to and, Claire has really kind of filled that void for me of having a strong woman to be able to reach out to and, and rely on. Got it. So that actually makes for a great segue um, because I want to talk just about, and I asked Claire the same question because I really, really champion her opinion on this particular topic. And it is um, around female leadership and trades, which by the way, I'm very, very, very much uh, for it um, is it doesn't, you know, it, it, to me, it's, it's, you're a leader, you're a leader regardless, um, yeah. you know, um, regardless of gender. 
Um, but what is what what is your take on this? Because um, you know, you and I talked a little bit about it, you know, pre podcast, and and a lot of people have strong opinions on how we go about trying to prop up or promote women leadership. And and again, I'm for it. I just don't think it needs to be done in a way that's segregating the two, like the genders. So you earn it, like you earn your way. Like, you know, I think it's great that you shared a little bit of your vulnerability on like, hey, am I mm-hmm. cut out for leading this business? Well, guess what? There's a lot of people who feel that same way, regardless if they're black, white, you know, male, female, don't matter. Yeah. Uh, but you still are in the position of you have a company that's bigger than uh, most. Like the fact that you're nearly 20 million, is that's a, that's a great business. So, of course, you feel that way. Yep. Because when's the last time you led a company the size your company is today? Never? Never. So how yeah. are you supposed to, you know what I mean? Like, so that's how, like, that's part of how this thing works. You have to own it. Like, when you don't know, you ask for help, but you don't give up. You know, you just ask. Yeah. Like, so you had Claire to lean on. But, like, what's your take on on uh, women, like, women leadership in the in the industry? And, like, how, to, don't give me the, like, the, the PC pageanty answer. Like, give me the good stuff. Like, what is your vision on women leadership in the trades? So I think this is an interesting question, and I've been asked it a couple of times over the last few months. And I, I, quite frankly, I always struggle with the answer. And here's why. It's never been a thing for my company. I run the company. I have a woman install manager. I have a woman in, uh, warehouse manager. I have a woman marketing manager. I've had women installers. So it's just never been a thing. So I struggle with it because to your point, there is not that segregation. We are all a team and we all operate together. Now, I'm not so ignorant to the fact that there haven't been women that have blazed a trail ahead of me that have made that easier for me. I think that there gets a spotlight put on it because there are so, I don't want to say so many, but there are men that are running these huge companies, these $100 million plus companies. And there's just not as many women that are, if any, that are doing that. That doesn't make it a sexist trade or that there is any sort of segregation there. It's just simply we have not reached that level yet. I want to see that and I want to see where there are more women that are running companies of that size but it, we're just not there yet. Yeah, I love that you said yet. Yeah. Um, I'm 100% agree with you. And so for everybody listening right, right now, too, um, the reason I keep bring, bringing it up is you might hear or see socially a different stance, but that doesn't mean it's the majority. Like, this is what I love about Rhino X is, yes, I bring in the, the biggest, those big players, the 100 million plus players, because I've done business with them. I have relationships with them. Those are my, like... So of course, like I, you can't bring in someone who's ten million to teach somebody who's thirty million. Like it doesn't work that way. So you have to bring in bigger players. But so my heart has nothing to do with male, female whatsoever. It has everything to do with I have relationships with these people. I can bring them into one room and I can continue to serve the trades. It's just that it's geared towards larger contractors. Um, you know, my wife is the CEO of this business. And, you know, we're 70% female-ran business at Rhino. And, uh, and those not even a question. Like, we don't talk men and women. Like, it's just who's the best. Yeah. You know, a lot of times the females are better at some of the job. Like, my wife is much better than me at her things. I'm good at what I'm good at. But it, it doesn't matter. Like, we pick the best person for the job, period, based on your experience. Yeah. Like, that's how, how it goes. 
So I'm a big champion of it too, and um, and I'm loving the movement that I'm seeing of more females being talking about it publicly because, you know, I want people to see how good the trades are, and I think it's great if we can get more females excited about being, you know, in the trades. And so there's a lot of like you said to your point, like the Mary Jean Andersons or people that are yeah. blazing the trail, you know, for female leadership in the trades. I'm I'm all for it. So um, thank you I for think, answering that. I know. No, it's like, I think real quick, that's an interesting point because. When we talked and we were talking about me being on the podcast, one of the things that I said to you was, I want to be on the on the podcast because you feel like I have something valuable to say, not because I'm filling the slot of a, of a woman. But in thinking about that, it's okay even if I'm filling the slot of a woman because I am getting the voice out there that there are women that are running larger companies, that there are women that are making movement in the trade. And that's been going on for a while. To your point, the Mary Jane Anderson's like, she's a rock star. Yeah. She's been killing it. But I think that it is important that when we are given opportunities to fill some of those slots, even if we think maybe we're not worthy of it, that we need to do it and move forward to progress that, to continue to progress that forward. Yeah, totally agree. So, so that's why I want, I want to jump into this is a good segue to kind of jump into like more tactical things within the business. So we'll hit on the, we'll hit on the operational side, we'll hit on the marketing side, we'll hit on the, um, like the leadership side thing or, or training, you know, like ongoing trainings that you guys do at air control. So, sure. so for our listeners, you know, um, in 2024, um, don't be afraid of this, but it's going to be an absolute battle. No question. An absolute battle. And my job as the host of this podcast is to try and give you as many tools to pick from that you can implement in the business to help make the business stronger going into 2024, regardless of market, regardless. Because there are some things that you can just look at internally. And as long as you just like tighten the ship and do those things and focus on it, maybe it's call by call management, maybe it's uh, training, maybe it's making sure you get your finances in order, make sure it's like whatever it is, there are things you can, you can do uh, and sustain, promise you, um, if you just do them, right? And and if you don't get it right, you uh, ask for help or you change it up and make it to where it does work the way you want to, but don't give up. Like, But the, my job is to give you plenty of those things. And so um, now that you've heard a little bit of, of Amanda's history, she's been through some things in the business. Like, So that's why you have credibility beyond this podcast is you've kind of been through some rough periods um, and you've persevered through those rough periods and you've built a great business. And so it's not just that, Oh, well she had a great unicorn couple of years. Well, we've been through like, she's been through some things. Right. So I want you to be able to share having been through some of that and being a part of some of this from the special projects to the install coordinator to the service manager, like all these things to today where you're leading the business. Like you have to have the vision of the business and you have to execute on the vision of the business regardless of, of market stability. So, what are you focusing on at Air Control in tw- for 2024 from an operational standpoint? Like, what are some of the key things that you guys are focused on to make sure you're operationally sound? You know, it's going to sound so dumb, but we're really just taking it back to the basics. Um, that doesn't sound dumb at all, by the way. We, uh, I think when we look at it, we ran a great company through the COVID years. I think we did a great job with what was thrown our way. Looking back on it, I think that we got relaxed in some of the areas of value delivering, um, of some of the metrics that KPIs that 
we should be hitting every day, we could get away with not hitting them because the work was just pouring in. And quite frankly, we were doing as much as we possibly could with the workforce that we had. So one of the things that we're doing is taking a look at for our call center. Um, right now, we're really analyzing our call center and it's, okay, are we hitting the inbound? Are we hitting the outbound? We have our three-day call board, but are we hitting the replacement opportunity percentages? We were missing that. We were missing the replacement opportunity percentages and it didn't end up being detrimental. And I, and, and I use that word loosely because it's still not detrimental, but it's if we're not hitting those, then the techs can't do what they need to do and hit the numbers that they need to hit. So right now our focus is on the call center, taking it back to what are those KPIs? What are those metrics? Where do we need to be? And really kind of moving through our whole company with that and seeing what that looks like. So so who do you blame for that, right? That you kind of got complacent. Who do you blame for those things? Um, quite frankly, I blame myself. Yeah. See, because it... It's easy for these things to happen and you got to be self-aware of like, oh shit, yeah, yeah, like that's on me. Um, We're the leaders, that's on me. Now let's go back and fix it. Totally okay, by the way, that that, that sucks to say out loud, but it's the truth. And many people listening right now feel the exact same way, by the way, because it was easy to get complacent because just the volume was coming in. Now it's like, oh shit, like grab the reins back and like let's start to pull back on those a little bit. Totally. And I think, you know, for us as a company too, and maybe it was being a new operator. um, I I wasn't new to the trades, but I was new to having the reins. Uh, We probably undertook more than we should have. We we rebranded, we built a new building, we added electrical, we did a series of different things. And you just kind of take your eye off the ball a little bit. And when you're still bringing, when you're still growing at crazy rates, you're still maintaining this you know, really great profit margin, you're still doing all these things, it's easy to be like, well, everything's operating properly. But then when things start to slow, like they are now, it's kind of one of these, oh, shit moments, we need to get this dialed in. Yep. I mean, and listen, like, uh, there's so many people that are listening to this that can relate to you right now. Uh, Because it has been that way. It's like, you know, it's always funny when you're making money, if you've ever heard that cliche term before. Um, But a lot of people will forget to keep it tight. Right. Like you're still running a professional organization with people who are depending on you, the leader, to make good decisions to deter, like to to predict the outcome of their livelihood. Right. Like that's a big responsibility. But it's easy when like you got all this volume coming in with minimal effort, you know, to be like, you know, and and, and it wasn't like it was just a few, like it lasted for a couple of years. It wasn't like a short term deal, it was a long term deal. Well, and it seemed like every year got better, right? (laughs) Like grew grew a decent amount, grew even more, grew even more. Um, So yeah, it was, I think it was easy, easy to do that. And even when you look at it from a service aspect is I don't want to discount our guys and say it was just going in and taking orders because that's not fair. There was still customer interactions and value that they had to give, but you didn't have to deliver as much value as you do now. Totally. Yep. I mean, it was just easier, right? Like it was just yeah. a little bit easier. You don't have to prove as much value to to get to the same end result. Yeah. So so part of this, uh, the learning from this particular like whole situation is that, right? Like it's, um, well, how do you get your leadership to make sure they stay on top of like, no matter what the market looks like, that we're always providing that type of value because that is what's best. That's the um, air control way mm-hmm. of, you know, showing our purpose, you know, or, or relaying the, the core values of the business is we want to make sure we do all these things to serve you, the customer, as best as we possibly can. 
um, addition to the value. So, so do, did you implement or do you implement any ongoing training for leadership or uh, do, you, do you implement any ongoing training for the technical side of the business? Like, are you constantly working on training or, or I mean, so, so not just like technical, but also like soft skills training. Are you doing those things now? Or, or if you weren't, are you planning to do those things? Yeah. So um, as far as looking at our leadership team, it's, it's kind of crazy because I heard a statistic when I was at Women in HVACR um, that 54% of, it's a Harvard statistic, that 54% of all leaders have never received leadership training. And at the same time that I heard that statistic, now I haven't Googled that, so I haven't fact-checked that. But at the same time that I heard that statistic, I was working with my leadership coach, Lisa Kinney from Nexar, And she gave me this light bulb moment because we have a, I don't like to say rookie because that's not fair. We have a younger leadership team as far as experience in being leaders. And one of the things, one of the struggles for me this year was learning that you can't just take somebody that doesn't have experience in leading teams and put them in charge of a team and expect them to know what they they need to do. Regardless of the inherent leadership skills that maybe they were born with, there's still an aspect of that that needs to be trained uh, to, to be trained on. So one of the things that we are looking at with our leadership team, in fact, we're getting ready to just go through the five dysfunctions of a team. And Lisa Kinney brought that to my attention. She's like, hey, if you're not training on these things, how can you expect them to know? And it's one of those like, uh, duh. Um, so we have been looking at that and training on that and just really trying to tighten what that looks like as being a leader for a team to make sure that we're delivering for our team what they need from, from leadership. As far as technical training, we do both. We do technical training and we do um, we do soft skills training. We recently brought in MeasureQuick uh, last week to go through a day-long training with our technical team. But then every year we do service system through Nexstar and really kind of hit what that looks like. I think this year we'll be doing it in February. And I think this year will be a more pivotal pivotal year this upcoming year than ever before for making sure that we are hitting on all those steps. Yeah, totally agree. Um, and that, I mean, it's part of why I'm asking those questions. I just want everybody, all the listeners, you know, to think through what are you focusing on too? It, it, and it can't, you know, if it's technical training, great for you. And I think there should be a, a variable of ongoing technical training always yeah, for, for various, for you know, sure. but, um, but also don't forget about soft skills. Like it's a big deal. Um, and, you know, part of this is, and I had a, a few uh, a few podcasts on this particular topic or topics. Uh, I think was it maybe a, maybe a couple months ago in preparation for 2024, and it was around just like your CSR training, um, something as simple as that, like whoever is answering your phone. And and one of the uh, one of the things I'm most proud of from running you know a digital marketing company for 16 years for the trades is we've always tracked the booking rates of the CSRs to make sure that if we're doing not only are we if, are we doing our job and are you doing your job. Yeah. Um, and even some of the largest companies still have CSR training issues. So I'm telling you, like, you may think everything's great because you had, you know, they've had the same person answering your phone for five years, you know, and, or people, I mean, pay attention to it. It's a, it's a big deal. And that's one thing without spending another dollar on marketing that you could, that you could focus on and fix that would increase, you know, your call board. So yeah. just something, just something to think about. Um, do you guys do regular CSR training or no? It's, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because I uh, had, it 
uh, went out of my brain. I forgot about it. But next week we have call center training here for three days. So um, I think that's going to be really instrumental for our team. It's I think one of the biggest things that I've learned over the last couple of years is how freaking important your call center is. I mean, really, a lot of things rise and fall with what the call center is doing. Yeah, that is like the first line of defense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the most ignored. I, um, I, I mean, listen, like I, I, I've dealt with, I've, you know, it, it frustrates me because I see, I can see, Hey, we, you know, we, we brought in X amount of new business, but then you booked that at 18% on new business and that's atrocious. And it's like, let's just fix that. Um, yeah. and people will do it and then it'll fall off. They'll do it. Kind of like yourself. Like you admittedly do it. It's, this is like very common by the way. So I just went out and got a CSR coach, you know, and said, I, one that came from a reputable organization who was a leader and said, I want to, you know, build my own thing. And I was like, please come in because every time I see one of our customers drop below the average, I'm going to make sure that I connect you guys to you and now and let her build out a team. And she built out a team. We tested it on the WeCare or on the, on WeCare and over in California, and we tested on any hour group. So like monster call volume and we were able to move the needle for them. These are big organizations. Yeah. Um, because to me, listen, we're a partnership. We're all trying to spend money and to try and drive, you know, new business into it. But it's only as good as a person picking up the phone and answering it. So pay attention to those things. And if that person is you, like listening right now, that person is you, be mindful of how you answer the phone. Nothing like drives me more crazy. I don't know if this happens to you, Amanda, but, um, and this is kind of childish, so don't laugh at me. <laughs> but if I call a business, you know, like, I, like I'm calling somebody to do, Chris, to do Christmas lights, my roof lights, and they answer the phone, hello? It immediately annoys me. Immediately annoys me. Because um, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Did I, you know, I thought I was calling XYZ you know, company. Is that not who this is? Yeah, that's us. I said, oh, okay. I, did, I couldn't tell because you said hello. Like totally a childish thing to do, but just irritates the shit out of me. So I feel like the need to like poke on them a little bit. Um, but you can't be that person, you know, if that's how you're answering your phone. Like you cannot, you have to still no. be professional. Like you only get a, you know, don't, don't get a, what, a second chance to make a first impression. Well, guess what? When you say hello, it makes me want to hang up. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. Don't be that, so don't be that person. So, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to segue into uh, the next piece of it, which is, which is my world um, in the marketing side of things, because, you know, a lot of times what I've seen historically happen is when the market gets tough, people pull back. That's the majority pull back on the marketing spin because on the P&L, it's, it's usually up there and it's the easiest one to cut because you're thinking about it from a cost savings perspective um, in the, uh, in the, in the micro, like in the moment for the time mm -hmm. being. But what you're forgetting is like, where else are you getting customers from? Like you should be getting repeat and referral business. That should still be a large chunk of, of your business that's coming in. But what else are you doing? Like make sure your brand's on point. Yes. But if you're too late to that party, well, then what are you going to do? You know, yes, you can still build your brand. That's not going to help you right now. So I love to share uh, everyone's opinions on what are the marketing tactics that you use or have used or are going to use to help try and drive new business. And, and, and what you can share too is no matter what it is that you say, I guarantee you I've tried, right? And I guarantee you yeah. a big chunk of our listeners have tried it. So maybe all this is, is a reminder, you know, it's not like she's going to say something that's like, Oh, I don't want to share it because then somebody in my own market can run the same thing. Well, if you run the same thing, then maybe you should reconsider what you're rolling. Maybe you should try something different, you know, to say, you know, to separate yourself in, in an, in, you know, in a, in a market. So, it's not a big deal to ask this question. It's literally saying, hey, what works for you in your market? You're in Lake Havasu City, Arizona. 
might not work the same in uh, Milwaukee. It might not work the same in Virginia Beach. But what are you doing to, you know, from a marketing standpoint to, to help air control going into 2024? Do you have that planned? We right now are in the process of finalizing our 2024 marketing plan. Having said that, we are not reducing our marketing budget whatsoever. Why, uh, Amanda? We, why? Because <laughs> we are going for it, there and you we go. are we are um, we are anticipating growth no matter what. Even going into this, that is our plan. We are budgeting for growth, not nearly as aggressive as we budgeted for this year. So we are going to keep our marketing budget the same. One of the main things that we're focusing on right now, and we've never really done this before, and this probably is not groundbreaking, but it's something that we are implementing is we are taking a look. One of our big focuses are what our customers that we did work for somewhere between eight months to two and a half years ago that we have not been back out for maintenance or whatever it may be. And with those customers, we are sending them a direct mail piece with whatever the special is, following it up with a series of emails of here's the special, here's a benefit, the benefits of why. And then we're tasking our call center with calling all of those customers to touch base with them. Are the returns on that huge? No, but are we retaining customers that were previously customers and making sure they're going to continue to deal with us going into what's going to be a questionable economy? Yeah. And so am I happy about that? Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, so that's really kind of what we're focusing on right now is what that looks like for our team. And then any sort of cross sales. If we have, if we've been out there for HVAC only, when we're doing that, uh, that follow-up call after that maintenance, we're men- mentioning, Hey, we do also have plumbing and electrical. Can we get something scheduled for you? Our dispatch team has done a really great job of that as well. Got it. Um, so basically some blocking and tackling. Right. Yeah. And, and that's totally okay. And what you're doing is you're trying to hit them three times. So you got the mailer, you got the email and you got the outbounding call to them. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, um, and again, like that's part of brand building too, is just repetition, right? Like, um, but there, there's a box, boom, you can check that one. Um, for the listeners, something else that you can do too, if it's like, let's just say, you know, cause there'll, there'll be people who are listening or saying like mailers are expensive, you know, and I can't afford, yeah. and I can't afford that. And maybe that's true. Um, but something that you can afford is, I guarantee you, if you're on social media, I guarantee you there is a social media group for your neighborhood. If you just go into Facebook and you search for like your neighborhood, I bet you you find a, a group page for your neighborhood. And and so um, you can go in and just um, contribute education from your perspective as an HVAC owner. Don't go on the neighborhood group and sell your stuff. That's not what anybody wants. You go on and educate them about what they, sh- you know, what the people in the group should. All of them are in a home. They might not all own a home, own a home, but I bet you there's a lot of people that do own a home in there. And you just go in and you offer up education. And then what starts to happen organically, and even sometimes fast, is people will start to refer you in that group because, like, if you go into that same group and search for uh, air conditioning company or plumbing company, I bet you you'll see some of the previous comments that pop up of people asking for references on them. This is a sweat equity deal. That means it's a zero cost per lead for you, right? It's an easy one. So you got no excuse. It's just time to go in and do it or have your office manager go in and do it, you know, or someone go in and do it. It's worth it. I've seen a lot of success just come from those little bitty groups and all it does is snowball. Key ingredient to this thing is 
you have got to take care of that customer that came from that group. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. if you do not take care of that customer who came from that group, they will share in that group that you did not take care of them, and then it has a negative effect. So that's a little asterisk. <laughs> but they are incredibly successful for a lot of contractors who get and do that. Simple. I love that. We, for years, and in fact, we're looking at doing it again into 2024, we would do it in the newspaper. I think social media is a great spot to do it as well. We would do Ask the Expert articles. We weren't selling anything. We were just doing Ask the Expert. And it would blow my mind because every home show, we would have people walk up with a binder of these articles that we had done, these Ask the Expert articles, and they would be showing them to us and asking questions. And so we had really established that reputation of being the expert in the community. Yeah, I love it. So it's basically sales by education. Uh, it, is a yeah. great, it is a great model. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to not ask for the sale because, you know, sales coaches will completely disagree with that, by the way, yeah. to ask for the sale. Um, but it is a tactic that works well. And by the way, it's not like you can't do like multiple tactics. This is just a tactic that yeah. you can do that is, low, you know, that is low to no cost to do it, you know, like just to help to give you something to run with. Um, like in regards to offers and things like that, when you're in a, when you're in an unstable market or a market where the interest rates are ridiculous or whatever is going on to, who knows what the hell is going to happen, you know, with the, with, the, with the presidential election and all that stuff going down. But we've been through this before. It's not like it's anything new. Um, but the financing offers still work. Like if, yes. you can, if you can roll out financing offers for the, for the, um, as low as number, uh, as low as $89 a month, you know, obviously it depends on credit. It depends on what you're putting into the home, but it's a psychology game. Like you're just trying to get the homeowner to check the box and choose you. But if they can pre, if they can go ahead and, um, apply from your site and like get, and go ahead and get pre-approved, and you can get kicked out the pre-approved amount. Not a bad gig to walk into somebody's house knowing what they're pre-approved for. Huge. And, and there, and the person who filled it out is already down the path. I just had the same conversation with Claire. I preach it because it works so well. I know because I do it for hundreds of contractors very successfully, and I see what comes from it. So do it. it and, and you can use it year-round. Obviously, sometimes it's not as successful, but I promise you there are people still searching for straight-up install business all year long because their mind thinks I can get it cheaper and I can get it cheaper in spring. I can get it cheaper in fall. Yeah. You know? So, and then typically those people are paying with cash. So there's that. Um, okay. I'm going to segue one more time. We're already like almost an hour into this thing. Did you know that? <laughs> I just looked at that. I was like, wow, that's exactly. That's so, so um, I want to ask this quick, ah, dang it. I have two questions I want to ask. So, so, okay. so bear with me because I don't want to blow past this one. And, and um, you know, I always think that for, contractors of all shapes and sizes, um, you have an opportunity to negotiate a few things to help your business because you got to be super aware of cash flow. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and what do you actually have in the business to sustain you if shit went south for three months? I'm not saying it's going to. I'm just saying like maybe think about it at least at three months in advance. Um, but you need to start thinking, what else can I negotiate? Are there credit cards you can negotiate? Are there better cards you can go get that give you cash back? Like all these little things add up. Can you go and negotiate with your suppliers or your OEMs, your manufacturers? Can you go and renegotiate with them and say, hey, here's my plan for 2024. Here's how I plan to execute. Um, can you help me on price knowing I'm going to hit X number? Or can you tear it out to where once I hit this number, it drops to this? Like there are options to get, to get your manufacturers or to work with you to be helpful. Listen, if you buy nothing, it does them no good. So don't be afraid to go and, and have them come to the table. And if they do not, you know, I'm going to um, newsflash, 
if you're in the HVAC business, but the majority of homeowners could give two shits on what what piece of equipment you put in their house. Like I promise you, it's it's does it continue to work? Do you not have to come back and and how you know what can I how good of a deal can I get on it? And maybe it's efficiency. Like how is how's going to impact my electrical bill? Like, but I'm telling you, nine times out of ten, the homeowner does not care what brand you put in their home. I mean, would you agree with me or disagree with me? I totally agree. Thank it took you. me a long time to figure that out, but I 100% agree. Thank you. And if you don't have a really good brand or brand equity in the market and you need to leverage the manufacturer brand, I'm a champion of that, by the way, because at least they spent millions and millions and millions of dollars to build a brand that the homeowner could potentially be aware of. So sometimes you leverage it that way, but in most instances, you need to do what's best for you. You need to do what's best for you that helps you um, sustain your business. So sometimes going and negotiating with the manufacturers is is something that you can do. But anything outside of that, you know, Amanda, that you can add to it today, were there some negotiation points that, that the listeners could go to? I don't really necessarily know about negotiation points, but I have been largely working with our controller to be looking at really all of the reoccurring invoices that we have coming into the company. Because back to that kind of getting lax, I think there's things that have snuck up on their fees and different things that have popped up that um, maybe you didn't realize you were paying. And so pulling that in and taking a look and back to that getting lean um, is just really looking at those things and seeing, are there things that we're paying that really we don't need to be paying? I also think for me, going through the last couple of years, it was easy to get distracted by the shiny objects. Like this company offers this, you know, and it can do this cool thing. Let's sign up for that. This company does this and it can do this cool thing. Let's sign up for that. Um, and I think we signed up for too many shiny objects and it's like, okay, let's bring that back. Um, and, and pull in some of those things that maybe we signed up for that we don't actually use or need. Yeah. Uh, here's a good example, kind of out there, but a good example. Cause this happened to me recently. Um, you know, with all the new apps and all the streaming services and stuff, like we're officially a cord cutting home. So I only stream things, um, when I actually get to watch TV. Um, but I started signing up for all these different subscriptions and I forgot about half of them. So I've been paying for like the same damn subscription for three different things. So I'm here, I am paying like, and even though it's, you know, maybe nine bucks a month or something like that, all that stuff adds, adds up. So here I am. And that was just one instance. There's actually multiple instances where I was paying for these monthly subscriptions where I'm like, shit, I'm not even using them or I have the same one. Went back, cleaned that up, saved myself like $110 a month. It's crazy because to your point, some of them are bundles. Like they have the bundles that are like Hulu and this and that, but then I'm also paying for Hulu over here. That's yeah, confusing, you know, but, but it, that's a really good point. Kind of go back through and just audit your expenses to see like yeah. maybe there's some overlap in there somewhere too. So we, we, we at Rhino learned that lesson the hard way years ago. So we go back and audit to make sure we're not overlapping, you know, as we're onboarding new technology. So, so this will be my, my uh, last like technical or my last real question for you um, since we're kind of talking about um, the technology world is like, you've heard like all the AI buzz come up, mm-hmm. people talking about how, you know, using AI for this and for that. And, and, and it's, by the way, listeners, this isn't new. Like it sounds new to you, but it's not new. Like, artificial intelligence has been around for quite some time. It's just a buzz right now. There's some, yeah. but it is like, it is exploding. Uh, it's moving really, really fast. And there's a lot of options. And some people still don't quite understand it. Um, but they hear the they hear the buzzword of AI and they feel like they got to do something with it or going to be paying attention to it. Um, and and you know and we're no different in the digital marketing space. It doesn't uh, AI for me 
to support contractors doesn't take away work from someone else. It only adds to what we're already doing. We just can do more faster by utilizing AI in certain capacities. There's a lot of cool AI stuff out there, by the way, right now. Um, I am a fan of thinking outside the box and trying new things to set yourself apart from the majority of every one of your competitors. So I am a fan of that, which is why I'm a big champion of the smart AC stuff. I think uh, once, yeah. it, once it proved itself out, and I uh, see how it's actually working and saw how easy it was for the contractors to actually implement. Like that was a, you know, a small installation because it's a DIY type model. I'm a fan. Like I'm a believer. Um, some of the call by call stuff or the, you know, the onsite call management that AI has, like the real voice guys. I like, you know, I know Dave Geiger yeah, like preaches, Dave, you know, DG preaches about them and finally got them on board. And then like my biggest roofing contractors are, are, are using uh, Rilla Voice and some of the our big players are using Rilla Voice too because it's tracking the actual in-home call. Like it, it is cool stuff, right? Like it is good and it's working and it's a great accountability tool and it's a great coaching tool. So, do you have anything that you that you think is like, hey, this is what I really love of that's kind of in this AI tech world that's kind of coming out or anything that you're using? Like, what's your take on this or like what are you thinking about? you know, implementing, I know we just talked about not taking onboarding shiny objects, you know, (laughs) but sometimes the best thing you can do is find a differentiator, you know, something that can, you can use to differentiate. And maybe that's part of what your focus is. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's funny because speaking of Rilla and speaking of smart AC, I have a, a call scheduled with Rilla pretty soon here. And then smart AC, we just did a call with them. Like those are definitely things that we're looking into and want to implement into our business and don't look at them as that, that shiny object. For me, I think some of the difficulty is, so we recently were beta testing, doing videos for our website that were AI generated that had, um, they were kind of like what to expect during your service call that we could post on our website. And initially I was like, this is so cool. It's so much more efficient. We don't have to have our people on there. You know, it's, it's getting it done much faster. But then I started thinking about it and our tagline as a company is treating you like family since 1990. But a robot's not family. Correct. Exactly. And so I think that we as contractors need to be really careful of, is it an efficiency in our company and does it make it more efficient? Great. But then what is the end result for the customer and what is that communicating to the customer about what our brand is? And so I think it's multifaceted in what that looks like. Yeah, I love that. So by the way, listeners, like I had no idea that you were, that Amanda was looking at Real Voice or Smart AC. So that was just That's totally true. a yeah. fluke. <laughs> Um, just two things that, you know, that I've paid attention to more so lately, because again, like I'm in the same boat. I'm also trying to look for anything I can do to bring to the listeners to help that I don't do. Right. Like, so, um, because I can't work with everybody anyhow. So I'm always trying to bring something to them. And that's just two things that I thought are like legit things that you could look at. Um, obviously the worst thing you can do, or the least you can do is connect and see like, is it a fit for me or, or a like product may be a fit for you. Um, last thing I'm going to ask, and this has nothing to do with business whatsoever. And it has more so just to do with, you know, um, your opinion and your advice. And this is just around to all of our listeners, you know, um, assuming that we have a lot of smaller businesses listening to this, trying to learn, which I believe is to be true, which I believe is true uh, on this podcast. What would be your, your advice to them? Like the most critical advice you can say, Hey, if you don't do anything else, pay attention to this or do this? Like, 
having been through a few of these wonky years where things are hard and tough and you got the callous hands, what are a few critical lessons or things that you can share uh, with the listeners to be prepared for, to be on the lookout for, to be successful in 2024? Honestly, what I would say is early on in the years, especially like going through the recession and what what we went through, I think there was almost, even though everybody else was going through it, there was almost this embarrassment that you wanted to admit that you're struggling, that you're having trouble. And what I have found, especially over the last, I would say, year to year and a half, is that when I look at the biggest opportunities that I've had for personal growth, which ultimately result in growth of the company, is admitting what I don't know and being vulnerable and seeking out somebody that maybe I look up to that appears like they're an expert in what they they are doing or is doing something that I want to be doing and reaching out to them and just talking to them. I have been blown away by the amount of people that are willing to help that are there to to offer advice, but also the amount of people that have gone through what you've gone through. These companies that are larger than you, they've gone through it. I guarantee you, whatever it is, they've gone through it. Thousand percent. Yeah. And reach out to them and just, just be vulnerable. Be okay with sitting in that uncomfortable spot of admitting that and asking for help. That has been just, I think, instrumental for, for me. You just gave me a really good idea for a a podcast episode, and it and this would be a brave person to be able to do it, but it would be a podcast around my company is failing, and talking about being vulnerable to share yeah. that, you know, would be difficult. But you're sharing that because a lot of companies right now are failing, whether it's perceived failing or not. You know, what I mean, like it's failing to you know, or maybe it's legit failing. But that could be a really good one because in that particular episode, you would talk through all the things that are causing you to fail. I use air quotes. Um, that could be a very powerful episode if you could get the right person to do it. And the hope would be from that is some of the listeners would then be able to connect with that person, person. Oh. to help pull them out of that or to like give them the confidence or to come alongside of them and help them. That could be a really powerful episode. I think that would be huge. I, um, I, I always have this thing where I say, if you meet a new parent and they tell you that their baby's perfect and they sleep through the night and they never cry, my immediate reaction is bullshit. And I now can't trust you <laughs> because you are not telling me the truth. And so I take that same stance with business owners. Like if you're telling me that everything's great and you've never gone through any troubles, you are lying to yourself and you're lying to me. And I think that there is a huge amount of relatability when you can sit down and talk to somebody. I spent 45 minutes on the phone with Claire yesterday, not talking about our businesses are failing because they're not, we are thriving, but and I say that lightly because there's always aspects of your company that you're failing in. There are always aspects, but we talked about all the hurdles that we're having right now and these challenges. I mean, up to and including people um, breaking into to vehicles and people on our team having um, not team members breaking into vehicles, having yeah, vehicles right. broken into, <laughs> yeah, and um, and having pe- people on our team that are going through um, health issues and what that looks like and. I left that phone call feeling so fulfilled to know that I'm not alone in what I'm going through. 
Yeah, you bring up a good topic too, just around mental health, you know, like being making sure that in you know, that if you're starting to feel like if the business is putting you into a place of like depression or something like that yeah. too, um, you need to reach out to somebody fast. Like yeah. super fast. Um, because that's not I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you that's not that big of a deal. It's not that it's not as big of a deal as you're making it in the yeah. grand scheme of things, right? Because you got to get yourself your mental health on point before you can ever help yourself or somebody else. Absolutely. Um, big, 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 big fan of making sure we are on top of that, especially because the last few years of like it's gotten a little crazy um, with the mental health yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. And I, and I just want to like put that out there. But um, you're right. It, it would be a good episode to have. And the hope would be as the, whomever it is is sharing the struggles and the different points that have led them to this is that there's a lesson to learn in all those low points for the listeners to be aware of. So there is something good that's coming from that. It's just creating some awareness around this contractor's low points. I think I'm going to put that together. I'm going to try and find that. So if you're listening right now and you feel like maybe you are the one who wants to have that, reach out to the Point Home Services podcast uh, social page or uh, email or whatever, or go to the website, whatever, and let us know. And then maybe we can have a conversation around that because I think it would be a huge help to the uh, to the trades. So Amanda, we're past an hour. <laughs> You did a fantastic job. Do you feel like you could check the box? Or are, are you feeling good about it? Check. Good. Was it all, was it, did it live up to the hype? I certainly hope it did. It, uh, this has been amazing. It has uh, been really, truly a pleasure. Well, I'm excited. And it, it, it was as much of a pleasure for me to, to share the story to our listeners. You know, uh, Amanda's a total sweetheart. So I'm sure you can, compl- you could reach out to her and ask her any questions along the way. So, you know, you can tell that she's, more than willing to be there for you and, and, and to help and certainly been through some things. So she's got the credibility to, to do so. But Amanda, thank you so much for letting me be your first solo podcast. <laughs> thank you. I, uh, I achieved another item on the vision board. So um, I'm happy about that. <laughs> Heck yeah. Well, listen, you and the family have a very Merry Christmas to our listeners. Uh, same thing, whether whatever it is that you celebrate, uh, I celebrate Christmas. So Regardless, have a great time with your family. Make sure that you slow down. This is a problem that I have. Make sure you slow down, take time for yourself, take time for your family because we don't necessarily work to uh, live to work. We work to live. So take the time, but don't fall short on making sure that you're square for 2024 because though it's December, you still have a few weeks left to start chipping away at it step by step. So Hopefully, you know, from this episode, you're able at least to relate to something and you, you've, you found some form of action, whether it be in the operational stuff that Amanda shared or the leadership stuff or from the marketing standpoint or from the negotiation points that we talked about with your OEMs or suppliers or credit card companies or whatever. So you don't have to do everything, but you got to do something. No zero days. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really, really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, It's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. If you don't know how to do it, here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom, and hit write a review. And be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you 
in your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.